to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist at extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. Yeah, we're in number two, week number two of a series called Back to Basics. We're going to look through some of those things we, we, we build our foundation of faith on. And last week we spoke about Christ in us, how he can be, uh, he is God and he is in us when we ask him to as, as we receive him. We looked at John 1 last week, 1 to 14. Romans 3.23, we're into the next phase this week. We're talking about for all have fallen and that is a, another foundation of our faith. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You know, as we began our series last week, we focused on the wonderful good news of the gospel that John explained in John 1. But because mankind has fallen short of God's glory, he sent Jesus to take on flesh and blood in order to stand in for us in regards to the penalty for sin we all deserved. And we landed at a place of being just lost for words at this amazing gift. And the invitation was given, given to receive Jesus. We discussed how a gift needs to be received to come into our life. And we asked anyone who wanted to receive him to come and dwell in us. Or to come back to that place of intimacy and knowledge of God. And the key word last week was dwell. To dwell. The challenge was, is he your dwelling place? Us in Christ and his Holy Spirit dwelling in us, with us and in us. So to follow on from that today, the key word today is actually fallen. It sounds a bit negative, doesn't it? But what does it mean to live in a fallen world? You know, once we're saved, what does it mean to live in a fallen world? How should we live as flawed people in a fallen world? Have we got that slide? Yeah, that's it there. Thanks, Samuel's done amazing. And um, so, you know, once we're once Christ dwells in us, we're forgiven. But in a sense, we can still be part of the problem instead of being part of the answer, as God has always intended his people to be. And even though we know that the major theme of Scripture is restoration from beginning to end, and that God uses ordinary people to overcome evil and do good, we know that in some cases, they ended up falling themselves. So I just left it at, the title at Fallen because um, not only are we living in a fallen world, but there's parts of us that have been, you know, are fallen as well. And to illustrate this point, several roads that we use late, lately have had their speed limits reduced. And in some cases it's justified, going a little bit slower, but I struggle with where the signs have been put. And especially when the step up to open road speed is right before a sharp corner or, 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 or a busy intersection. And even though I disagree with this, with this law, I do my best to set my cruise control <laughs> and comply. 
And uh, because, because of Romans 13 verse 1, which says, you know, obey those in authority. But if I forget sometimes, just if, you know, I have a slip up and revert back to that old familiar speed that the road used to be, um, I'm, I'm very much part of the problem. I'm breaking the law. And I'm just as much of a problem as those people that pull out and pass me when I'm on my cruise control on other days. <laughs> I know there was just a little practical example, but if we break one of God's laws, we're as guilty as those who have made it a lifestyle. And that's the, that's the truth of the gospel. That's the truth that we have all sinned. For all have sinned. If we've done one thing, it's like we've done the lot. There is forgiveness each time that we stuff up. We're still saved, but ultimately... God wants us to move on from that cycle of coming back and back to the cross and we need to live free. We need to die to that sin, die to self and grow in grace and in his Holy Spirit. And the reason for that is to impact this fallen world by doing good and confronting the evil that has ruined so many lives. I believe that's God's plan. We are all fallen but there is hope through salvation in Jesus. Many would-be followers, you know, people who would be followers, have no issue with accepting Jesus into their lives. They're funny. They just don't want to evict the current tenants <laughs> that have taken up residence in their heart. When I was in India, um, we traveled to a different village every night to preach the gospel. And the people were extremely open. It, was, it blew my mind, you know, how open people were. No tally, <laughs> no TVs, <laughs> no computers then. It was hot. It was lovely and just beautiful temperature. You didn't carry a bag, no coat. It was just perfect in the evening. And uh, they'd come out to hear the gospel and to have prayer for healing and the myriad of other issues that they had. Um, the only catch was that, not many, that they wanted prayer, but not many of them wanted to get rid of the five million gods that they already had in their Hindu faith. They wanted the life, the freedom, and the power of the gospel, but didn't want to give up on the familiar, the idol worship, uh, the, the legalism, the cursed caste system. Are we any different are we different? In our culture, we've simply replaced idols of wood and stone, perhaps with selfish lifestyle choices, with some perhaps status symbol of success or materialism, or perhaps even a worthy cause can become a, a god with a little g. People-pleasing, hero worship. The, anything that ranks higher than, than Jesus, really, is, a, is an idol. An idol is... Anything that we're obsessed with or trust in more than God, he wants us to give those up. That's part of the fallen world. The apostle Paul was brutal on all sin because he admitted, he self-admitted, he was the worst of the worst sinners before he came to Christ. His name was Saul. Jesus changed his name once he met him, once Paul or Saul met Christ on the way to destroy Christians. That was his, his act of service in God's name, was to get rid of Christians. 
But God met him on the road and he became born again. And Jesus changed his name. And because of this, he writes in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The world finds that a bit offensive, doesn't it? But this follows on from his introduction to the church in Rome. And we're going to look at that now. Here, he also ruthlessly, you know, um, talks about sin. So we're going to turn to chapter 1 of Romans, and we're going to read 18 to 25. Strap yourself in. It's pretty, pretty full on. Okay, we're starting at verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honour him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchange the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals. Therefore God gave them over in the lusts of their hearts to impurity that their bodies might be dishonoured among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature. Sound familiar? <laughs> Rather than the creator who is blessed forevermore. Amen. Well, if you weren't a bit depressed when you came in, maybe you are now. But there's good news coming, so hang in there. Stay with me. This passage was very much, this passage just describes pretty much our world now, isn't it? That we find ourselves in. Pantheism, that's worshipping cre creation, exchanging um, the life, the truth for a lie. We know there is forgiveness of sin by receiving the grace and mercy of God through Christ. But what about the world's fallen value system? What is God's will and purpose for this world? And that's what I want to talk about next. Firstly, we're just going to look back at history to get a clue on how we should live. In the Old Testament, sin was a problem. To, to, to be solved through punishment. Prophets and a select few could only look forward to a time when Christ would come and take the punishment from them. That's just a little bit of back history. What I really want to do now is look at the time of the New Testament. So if we can pop that first amazing picture up. Um, <laughs> Samuel, please excuse my homegrown art. Um, I did borrow a little bit of the sermon of Craig Vanell from, uh, from Bethlehem Baptist. His drawings were worse, I can just say. <laughs> Jenny said they're terrible. You can't put those up. Anyway, this is, this is the era of the New Testament. They lived under an autocracy, uh, which was obviously... Uh, Rome, and they had a dictator, 
and he was given the title Caesar. So the entire New Testament was written to a persecuted church under Roman rule. This was very much an autocracy led by Caesar. Empires, you know, through history have risen and fallen, um, but God's word is forever. And all New Testament teaching that we have in front of us today was given at a difficult time in history, written under this autocracy, but it still applies to us today. Amen? Because men and women's hearts are the real issue, not who's in power. Under an autocracy, loyalty, strength, and honor were what mattered most. So sin meant basically persecution or death. You know, sin equaled disloyalty to, to the Romans. And such, such as the wisdom of, you know, you know, dog eat dog, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. And as difficult or unpopular as sticking to the word of God was in those moments of testing, time reveals the true wisdom of Scripture, such as if you lose your life, you'll gain it. But if you hang on to it, you'll lose it. In about 313 AD, the Roman Empire fell, mostly due to various plagues uh, and immorality. But during its reign, the church grew exponentially under this persecution because uh, believers were being salt and light with their prayers words and action the church was known for changed lives and for serving their communities through the power of the holy spirit and the ripples went out we still got that picture up there <clears throat> the ripples went out from the church even though we've got the romans the jews the zealots and the barbarians the the circles of influence reached the throne room at rome it, that's how far the ripples of Christianity went out. So they were not backing down. They were growing. They were exploding across the, the known world. But then we came into a time of theocracy where the great Constantine, the Emperor Constantine, actually made Christianity, first of all, popular, and then he kind of made it official, the official religion of Rome. And for the next thousand odd years, the Roman Catholic Church ruled Europe. And this was a theocracy with the, obviously the Pope at the top, the cardinals, the archbishops, the bishops, uh, the priests, and so on. And uh, so the, the, this is a theocracy where you rule people's lives uh, by applying your value system over them. Scripture was limited to the priesthood, and sin was, uh, was, was to confess. The, the handling of sin or the way they would deal with sin was confession and penance, paying either whatever was the penance or, or just, just, just confessing. Creativity was really not encouraged, and life was about duty and obeying from the top down. And order was maintained through compliance to a set of rules. That's theocracy. And in many ways, um, we would sometimes prefer to be under a theocracy. But let's move on. 
Then we came to this next phase where after monarchs and things, we gradually, more and more countries came under a democracy. Right now, we really are living under a liberal democracy. And under that banner there, we have got the Islamics, we've got the Sikhs, we've got the, um, the, the humanists, the, the environmentalists. We've got the church, we've got Christians along there with everything else. It's not a theocracy anymore. The seeds of revival spread throughout the Western world and faith was rekindled through the word of God being made available in a language people could read for themselves. Against much opposition and persecution, the Reformation produced uh, great social change, creativity and knowledge. This is a little bit of history before this time. Again, the church grew against all odds as it served in practical ways through loving acts of kindness and justice, social justice. After centuries of monarchs, much of the Western world adopted this democracy. But under this system that people ruled, supposedly, that people ruled, the people at the bottom, <laughs> supposedly, through elected leaders. And uh, though great moves of God did come in the 19th and 20th centuries, uh, the church had limited influence. But um, this should have been a time of great moral change. Unfortunately, social problems were emerging. The so-called progress, the industrial revolution, the expansion of trade, breakthroughs in science and technology actually made life a little harder for some and, not for, other, and for others it was better. So unfair treatment of workers, slaves, immigrants, women, children, should have been addressed under this time, under this autocracy, by leaders and then under democracy, under the people voting their, their leaders. You know, if you just had 51%, you could, you could push your value system. Sadly, democracy does not change hearts. As we come to an election, we need to remember that. Democracy does, in itself doesn't change hearts. Only a powerful move of God can. And many great innovations were done in this time. You know, we know that life is better in so many ways. But sadly, sin has a way of creeping into good intentions. But by and large, the church led the impact on values and the ripples did go out. So there were ripples going out from the church. And as we know, um, Places like America were greatly affected by those ripples going out. Okay, now we're in this liberal democracy. We come to where we're at today. We now live under this uh, new freedom to choose our lifestyle. And freedom has, in fact, become a God with a little g. According to Romans 1, it for forbids some of these freedoms and it warns us not to do some of those things. And now we also have many other faith communities. It's kind of a moral mess, really. Only a revelation of God can turn people's hearts back to the true God of the Bible. Amen. We no longer are a majority Christian um, 
society. Sometimes we even feel like we have no voice. Cancel culture even forces down those who want to debate. And so we're facing an election in a few weeks, and the main issues seem to be economic survival, freedom of choice, you know, law and order, climate change. Sin now is a tension to be managed. We still have the freedom to be Christians, but not to impose it on others. And in fact, we wouldn't want to. I mean, when it was an autocracy, people were converted by the sword, which is not of God. And when we look at the current world, we see that perhaps the temptation still is there for some, e.g. Capitol Hill. But I want to ask that question again. Is there another way to reach a fallen community? We're just going to read Colossians and find that there is. Colossians 3, 12 to 14. And so, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, for whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. And beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. So let's pop that last slide up, Samuel. And uh, we're going to say there are some keys that I'm just wanting to put up and put out there for you to think about today. Here's some ways we could re reach a fallen community. Number one, put away power and put on an apron. Many years ago, a group of Christians at the Portland University, which is one of the most liberal in America, put up a sorry tent in the middle of a square while other groups were all putting their tents up for climate change and all the, all the other things were there. And everyone thought that people we're going to have to say sorry to the Christians. But they made it very clear that they were saying sorry to their unsaved friends for, for being a bad example. And I just thought, that is amazing. They had people pouring in after a few hours and they were apologised to for what Christians had done to them. Is it time to bring back foot washing? <laughs> Number two, we, we need to sow the seed for God to water. So just keep speaking truth, speaking truth. And I know Jeremy writes letters to MPs. We've got to realise that MPs are, are in, a, in a situation where they need to compromise to get anything done. And we're sometimes a bit hard on the Christian MPs, aren't we? We need to encourage them. Write letters of truth where this country needs to head. Number three, we need to treat foreigners with respect, not as projects or intruders, but with genuine love. Number four, chaplaincy. Have you considered being a chaplain in a sports club or to the police or at a school? The community's crying out for this help. We know a friend, a fellow pastor, who started a chaplaincy to sports. He cannot get enough chaplains. It's gone from seven to 70 in the Waikato, 
over the last four years? Volunteer work. What about teaching English to immigrants? You may reach whole families. What about just friendships with people in clubs? Forming friendships is such a great window to the heart. And finally, leave the judging to God. Romans 1.20 that we read says, God's creativity is plain for all to see, but the world is bent on worshipping what has been created. Instead of the creator, that was in verse 25, many have exchanged the truth of God's word for a lie, verse 25. We do see the results of sin all around us, but before we write the world off as being too far gone and throw in the towel, let's remember comebacks like Nineveh, Nehemiah's wall project, and in a few weeks, the ABs, yes. <laughs> I'm just saying, putting it out there. The promised good news, this is, this is the good news I promised, is that young people are getting saved in big numbers. The Catalyst team told us how many people are seeing get saved around this nation. They're hoping to hire the Victor Arena next year and get 2,000 young people fired up with the gospel to go into this nation. Only that will change hearts. We just were a small group the other day saying that, you know, all the anger management programs in the world won't change a heart like Jesus can. And uh, there is a, a new thing happening with Gen Z. That's the people born, I think it's after 1997. Gen Z are an all-in group. Once they are sure it's the real thing. They are all-in. Are we? <laughs> are we up for this? To live in a fallen world with Christ in us, to make a difference by these, by these perhaps creative ways that we can reach our communities back to God, back for God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for that beautiful passage in John about you, you being becoming flesh and blood because you know what it is to be persecuted and beaten and live in a fallen world. And so, God, with you leading the charge and having your Holy Spirit in us, we just pray we too would be willing to change the society back to you one act of kindness at a time, genuinely loving people, thinking up creative ways. You're looking for leaders. You're looking for people to support those leaders uh, in new ministries that might just totally turn around towns, clubs, um, situations. Father, we thank you for the fact that your, your, your spirit is, is leading always, leaning towards restoration. You want people reconciled. You want cultures reconciled to each other. The way forward is the way forward together. We thank you for the unity that you bring in the spirit. And we pray, Lord, that would happen in our generation. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church Podcast. 
We hope that it has been an encouragement to you. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist at extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com.